Welcome to Unleashed. I'm Colleen Pilar, a dog trainer fascinated by people. Dogs bring out the best in us. Your dog thinks you're awesome because you are kind, thoughtful, generous, playful. In each episode of Unleashed, I'll choose one behavior trait that dogs and people share and interview a fascinating person to talk about how that trait appears in dogs and in people. Then we'll explore ways that you can more fully embody the trait so that you can show up at work and at home as the amazing person your dog knows you to be. Are you ready to be unleashed? Hi, my guest today is Peter Smith, the president and CEO of American Systems, an engineering and IT solutions company that provides services on government contracts. It's one of the largest employee-owned companies in the United States. Thanks so much for joining us today, Peter. Thank you, Colleen. You've been with American Systems since 1980. Why? What makes American Systems so special that you just went there and stayed? Well, it's always been a great place for opportunity. I have appreciated everything that American Systems has allowed me to do during my tenure here. It all started um, with me being a test engineer up in our Newport, Rhode Island office working on a Trident submarine program. I moved to Virginia and continued to work that program, expanded into other submarine programs technically and then programmatically got the opportunity to work with the U.S. Army on some big programs and then for the State Department. And in each case, just had more and more responsibility and um, had a unique opportunity to keep things going with people I really enjoyed working with in a company that provided a great atmosphere for growth. Well, that sounds fantastic. I wanted to talk to you today specifically about your opportunities for growth where you had, you've recently gone through a bit of a culture change really focusing on owning your future through accountability. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired that change? Sure. Um, I became the CEO in 2014. And um, working across the company, I had a much broader opportunity to speak with, with people in different areas, not only geographically, but programmatically. And one of the challenges that we've had as a company is we're very dispersed. Uh, Our workforce of about 1,200 employees is truly widely distributed, both geographically and programmatically. It became hard for some of our people to see the broader context of the whole company. So in an effort to try and bring people together, I started talking about uh, growth, growth of the whole company being the engine of opportunity for all of us as both employees and owners. You mentioned we are an ESOP, so that gives us a unique perspective that we do, in fact, own the company also. With the growth of the company for employees, it certainly opens up a great deal of career possibilities for them. We get new customers. They can have more technical experiences. They can advance Uh, into higher order technical positions. They can move into management. All kinds of career opportunities open up. And uh, from a financial perspective, recognizing that we are an ESOP, as the value of the company grows, uh, the share price goes up, and we as owners benefit from that in terms of our retirement planning. Uh, 
So what I started to hear back was, that's great, Peter. What are you doing about that? And <laughs> I very quickly spoke to them about, you know, it's it's not all up to me. It's, it's We have to do this together. We are all accountable for growth in the business. And that's, you know, it's a little hard to get your arms around it this is. idea of, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage our growth? Well, that goes to an idea about, um, first of all, recognizing, do you recognize we have this shared responsibility and we can all do better with this if we work together on it? And, and very much to the credit of everyone in American systems, they quickly embraced that idea. So then what can I do? How can I help? that idea of coming together and sharing in the responsibility, making sure that you understand this idea of, of profitable growth. We came up with a set of key results to make that a little more manageable, a little more tangible for people, concentrating on winning new business, uh, making sure that we were giving ourselves the opportunity to win that new business by making sure that we were, um, developing and presenting a lot of proposals for the government, and then making sure that we were doing that from a cost-effective position. That made it a little more accessible for people. And then we talked about aligning daily activities to better fall into that, certainly delivering with excellence, uh, delighting our customers, getting referrals, building up our past performance database. All of these things were very, very helpful. And of course, participating in new business developments, um, taking the lessons learned from the people that are very much way out there on the pointy end of the spear, working their way through customer issues, uh, solving problems for their customers, the approaches they took, the successes they had, how to feed that better in to tell our story as we're competing for new business became very important also. And um, it's had some really, really strong effects. I think it has built the uh, understanding of the company across all of those diverse programs and that diverse geography that we are truly a large group with a lot of capability and puts us all in a better position to tell our story better. Isn't that wonderful? So a lot of companies talk about, you know, changing the culture, implementing new strategies, but often run up against sort of inertia, this kind of entrenched, this is the way we've always done it, and so this is why we're going to keep going this way. So what strategies do you think help move American systems from buzzwords and concepts to actual reality, real sustainable change? Well, we did start with our leadership team, and we talked about our existing culture. What do you like about American systems and where do you think we could improve at American systems? And frankly, we heard a lot of, well, I'm okay, you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's, <laughs> that's challenging. Um, so encouraging people to be a little more introspective and own what's going on became important. But I kind of skipped a step there. Seeing it, Seeing things clearly is important. And I have to give a little bit of credit here before I go too much further. We worked with a, an organization called Partners in Leadership, and they very much uh, based their approach on a book that was developed by their founders called The Oz Principle. Mm -hmm. And following what they talk about in The Oz Principle helped us a lot. And that's their progression of see it, own it, solve it, do it. 
And seeing it is, is absolutely the first step. And seeing it objectively is really important. Um, I think that we can all agree that sometimes we shade the world in our favor, mm-hmm. looking at things and saying, well, not truly being objective in how we're looking at things. It's finding things that uh, other folks aren't doing as well as they should be. But, and that's, like I said, what we ran into a little bit with that whole thought of, I'm okay, you are not. But getting people to take a step back and see more clearly, okay, I have better context for where they're coming from. I understand what was going on over there. Perhaps if I changed my behaviors in this way, I could improve the outcomes over there as well. And that's truly an aha moment. It it's is. very much a breakthrough. So then you can move on to that idea of own it. All right. You know, we've acknowledged there are some things in our culture that we don't like or that we think we could improve upon. What are we going to do about it? And getting that thought process of no one's going to do it but us really gets people thinking very constructively, very thoughtfully, a little out of the box, all of that kind of stuff in terms of trying things in a different way. And that's the idea of getting to solve it. What's our plan? How are we going to move forward and where we're going to go? Where are we going to go forward from here? And then, of course, ultimately, you've got to step off. You've got to do it. Got to start making decisions, changing things actively and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work and and getting into that continuous improvement place where you're constantly refining what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so it's totally normal to have that kind of awkward moment of I can absolutely see everything you're doing wrong, but I'm just fine over here. That's normal human behavior. We just see things through lenses that we're not even aware that we're wearing. How did you help break open that a little bit and say, okay, that is one way to look at it, but how else can you look at that? Well, uh, feedback, honest feedback is an important part of the process here. And trusting enough to be able to say something that is truly intended to be constructive without Mm -hmm. worrying about repercussions and things like that. So we're working on being better at providing feedback, not only providing feedback, but asking for feedback. That's again, an important part of the process. If you hold back and wait for people to be bold enough to step forward and provide some feedback, you might not get it. Right. So the idea of, of going to places and actively asking, do you have any feedback from me <clears throat> is an important step. And it's everywhere in the company. I have to do that well also. I have to show that it can be done. I have to show that I'm receptive to it and I have to sh- actually respond to the feedback that I get. In other words, do something. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean accept it and, and change it, but it's demonstrate that I heard it and look to incorporate it into the body of feedback that I get, see where to go from there. So in that whole idea of that construct of feedback, again, the folks at Partners in Leadership encourage one who's giving for- feedback to first say something appreciative. I appreciate how you go about solving this problem. Um, I appreciate the care you take in making sure that you're being thoughtful in your approach and then moving into constructive feedback. 
I think it might be better if we do this, or sometimes you tend to shut down additional feedback by trying to respond or something like that. Uh, and then it's important for the, per- and they also very much stress with you, if you are receiving feedback, don't get defensive. Don't mm-hmm. try to explain yourself. Listen, absorb, thank the person, go away and think about it and, and go from there. I can't tell you, Colleen, how important that feedback process is. And it takes practice. It's not something I think that people are ordinarily comfortable with. And we encourage the organization to practice and get better at it. And I think I think we're making progress. Well, and I think your point about not responding right now and going away and thinking about it helps build the trust that you said was so important for people to provide feedback because so often we don't provide feedback because we get blowback. You know, someone goes, they do become defensive and explain all the reasons why your feedback is incorrect. So that whole piece of, I'm going to take that into consideration. I may not agree with it, but I'm going to think about it, gives a respect and builds a trust so that people at any level can talk to anyone else at any other level with some level of openness and security. Yes. So what do you think the real benefits are in terms of thinking of things in that framework, the see it, own it, solve it, do it framework? Well, I think it provides a bit of a roadmap. Um, it, e- it is easy to fall into that victim space, that that space where you really feel that you don't have the wherewithal to overcome the circumstances that are going on around you. And it's also, sometimes it's helpful. It's, it's good to vent a little bit and say, you know, this really doesn't seem fair and all of that. <clears throat> what we don't want people to do is get stuck there. Mm-hmm. So by encouraging people with a framework, as the term you used, I think helps them start the process. Okay, let me take a step back. What's really going on here? And once I get that understanding, moving to the next, all right, it's up to me. And then being able to put yourself in a position to plan and then ultimately do, I think it's an excellent roadmap. And it's also helpful when we're thinking about it consistently across the organization. Because we can see when it's happening, either to ourselves or to a group we're in or another group. It's a way to start the conversation. Look, you know, we're, we're really below the line here. Let's climb up above and follow our process to get ourselves to a better place. It, it's an anchor point. It's a way forward. And again, I'm seeing some pretty good behavior around that thought also, where people are, not in a negative way, so I don't, I don't mean to, to say it that way, calling people out, but just saying, look, you know, we're here we are. I feel better now. I got that off my chest. Let's work on how we're going to get through the rest of this as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a big difference. You mentioned um, below the line and in the philosophy of the of the partners in leadership group below the line behaviors would be things like you know finger pointing and ignoring or denying problems or doing the it's not my job someone else's job and, and kind of covering your tail all of those things that we see regularly in 
corporate environments. Actually, we see it regularly all across life, isn't it? <laughs> but when we oh, look sure. at it from Absolutely. that perspective of we can't change anyone else's behavior without changing our own. So it, it always comes back to this personal responsibility of the only way I can change you is to change me. And that's awkward. But once you realize it, it's actually incredibly empowering and has this huge ripple effect that by changing me, I can change all sorts of things. Yes, very true. And that truly is the power of it, that ripple effect of we're all going to get better together. Mm -hmm. Which is wonderful that it can be done on such a big level, an entire company, as opposed to just my little team in one, one small corner of a company that to be able to implement this across the board and bring the entire group together and moving forward in the same direction, it does provide, you know, like you were saying about geographically and programmatically unaffiliated people and, and bringing them together as one. We are American systems. I think that's really cool. So as a result of this culture change, what, what differences do you really see in employee engagement? Is that what you're seeing? What kind of stuff? Let me take you back to one thing, one area that I think is really important before I go to that specifically, sure. Colleen. You mentioned about you know, the dispersed workforce. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we have found very helpful is the idea of instituting some cultural beliefs. One of the things, you know, we're talking about our key results. I mentioned to you those key results that we're trying to achieve. And obviously, talking about an action pyramid, we take actions to get our results. And our actions are based on a set of beliefs that come from foundational experiences that we have. We certainly look at our key results and we talk about how can we change our approach to do better in terms of achievement getting closer to what it is we want to do. As we think our way through that, we check our beliefs, which might be something like, well, you might hear someone say, if we try to change this approach, perhaps we'll get a better result. You might hear someone say, well, I tried that before and it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a belief based on an experience. I certainly can't change people's experiences, but if I want them to have a, a different belief about how to go forward, Perhaps I can ask them to suspend their set of beliefs that are rooted in our old culture and ask them to accept a new set of beliefs that we can work on to change our actions, to improve our results, to create better experiences and move us to that new culture of accountability that we're trying to achieve. So we did that. We had four cultural beliefs that we developed as a group. Uh, they did start with the leadership team. Our, one of our first engagements, we had 50 members of the leadership team in American Systems come up with a set of beliefs that we think are foundational to moving to this new culture we're trying to establish. Then we rolled those out across the company through what we, I think you even mentioned it at the beginning, uh, owning our future through accountability workshops that we're having. And it's interesting how all of those areas, when we talk about the old, old culture and the new culture and what beliefs would help us get there, we converge. So we have this set of four beliefs that we believe are core to moving American systems forward, and those are distributed throughout the company. The and people at the geographic four? sites, 
before uh, the first one is to be engaged. We ask everyone to be very engaged in uh, moving American systems forward. The second one is that we're better together by sharing all of the experiences that we have in all of the various areas of American systems and learning from those, we will do better. The third one is to create opportunities and create opportunities is all about paying attention, always having your antenna up, if, if you will, for areas where we can expand and do better and keep growing, growing the programs that we have. And then lastly, it's bid smart. We want everyone to participate in our process of winning new business. And that doesn't mean just writing proposals. It starts way back at the beginning when we're trying to understand a new customer better, trying to refine our approaches to be more meaningful to a broader set of customers and things like that. Those happen to be the ones that we picked for American systems. They might not apply everywhere else, but as we looked at moving from our old culture to our new culture, we felt those four touchstones were very important. But again, ones, and tying they work everyone together really beautifully. Yes. Um, well, that goes to the question that you asked me. What are we seeing? What behaviors are we seeing across the company? With that as a backdrop, it's not uncommon to hear someone say, to tell a story, uh, this happened, and here's what I think Better Together looks like to me. Mm -hmm. We were recruiting for a particular program in a geographical area. And we hadn't reached out far enough across the, the country to uh, look at folks that might be able to meet these needs. By getting the word out to the various programs that we had in different areas, they expanded our search base and we were able to meet the staffing requirements that we have. And that's what Better Together looks like to me. It's um, very powerful. And we tell those stories and we use those cultural beliefs as the touch points to reinforce the kinds of behaviors that we're looking for. And um, like I said, the, 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 the people of American systems have responded very well. <clears throat> what, have, what has been challenging about implementing it? Well, <laughs> you always have some folks who probably aren't ready to change. Uh, they don't see the need to change. We've been fine. You know, American Systems has been in business for more than 45 years. We're fine. Mm -hmm. Why change? So helping folks understand that while there might not be a burning platform, in other words, we're not in dire jeopardy, and, and in fact, we're not, the idea of competing better, getting better, uh, is important because the world is constantly changing and we need to be adaptable as we go forward. <clears throat> there are some people that just don't want to change and that you also need to, to recognize that. Um, they might select themselves out. They'll see what's going on. They see where you want to go. They perhaps don't want to be a part of it. And okay, that's fine. I would rather have them self-select out than stay and be internal forces against what it is we're trying to get done. But we try to be as clear as possible. We try to lay it out and uh, encourage people, encourage people to embrace what we see as the way forward. Uh, and by and large, by and large, it is successful. But um, you, every, anyone must recognize when you're trying to change the culture, 
some people just don't want to change. And um, that, change, that's change okay. Change difficult. And change can be threatening when there's a, there's a model called the SCARF model, which is an acronym for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And it's sort of the things that make us go, wait, I'm not comfortable here. And when we ask people to change, it's typically because we're in some way threatening their own beliefs, not necessarily the reality, but their own beliefs about status or certainty or autonomy or relatedness or fairness. So it becomes like, well, you gave more money to that group than to my group, and that's not fair. Or, um, you know, I have a higher job title and you're taking someone else's opinion over mine, and that's not fair. And it's an interesting thing, because if we can help people sort of shift the belief behind it and and look at that, that sometimes they can move forward, but other times it is better for them to self-select out, because you, you don't want to have square pegs and round holes on either side. You don't want to be the square peg, and you don't want to be the place full of round holes trying to deal with the square peg. Have you found that? That's well said, Colleen. It really is. Um, we, and, and I appreciated the use of the term beliefs. That was really what we were trying to do, or we are trying to do with our cultural beliefs in a positive way. If you agree that this belief that we are stating is important, then we believe that you will fall in. You'll, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see it as absolutely something that should be done. So that's a really important place is making sure that people are on board with the beliefs you're asking them to, uh, to buy into. It spans everywhere from 100% I'm in to I don't think I can do that. And the people that are on the lower end of that of buy-in we encourage them and do what we can to help them see um, how it might be helpful in that regard. And that takes all kinds of forms uh, in terms of, again, aligning what it is that they do. Sometimes they just feel left out of the process. Mm -hmm. But it's remarkable, truly, uh, how much we do on a daily basis that really is aligned and we're not really seeing how it it works directly because the goal might seem too far away to you in terms of of your ability to have an impact. Uh, But again, telling a story around an action that someone took in support of the belief that had a result. Oh my God, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. and And the key beliefs you have are nice because they're sort of hard to argue against like better together intellectually i think most of us can can agree that we are indeed better together and so it becomes a a point that we can move forward and have a conversation around you know so when we're getting into these friction moments say well don't don't you think that we are better together and the other person will say yes but like well at least we got the yes we'll start with the yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then we'll move we'll move forward there in trying to shift the belief. It's an interesting it's an interesting piece, but the four beliefs that that American systems uses about being engaged and being better together are very much mental attitudes of how you show up at work and then the creating opportunities and bidding smart are are more strategic 
you know, it's a little bit of how I show up and then a little bit of what I do once I'm getting there. So I think that they fit together beautifully as pieces for, for really creating success for you. Well, that has been good. And I, I completely agree with the way you characterized it, but something that we're guarding against also is being engaged is important. Better together is equally as important, but you can't stop there. You've got to keep going through the progression of create opportunities and bid smart. So it it's important that they see the context for being engaged or better together. Because again, many people will say to you, well, I'm engaged every day. Mm-hmm. It's engaged in what? And again, I, you know, I keep using that term of alignment and buy-in. The important question that we ask everybody to ask themselves is what else can I do? What else can I do? And the example I always use, if you know, we always get to a certain point in our day where we've gotten through a list of things we want to get done. And if you think, okay, what am I going to do next? If, if you go check your fantasy football league, you're probably not as engaged as we would like you to be. But if you say, what else can I be doing to affect our ability to get to those key results? You're engaged. And that's where we want you. So I just tell that as a story to give it a little context going forward. Yeah, it's a really good point and a, and a great way of thinking about it. And I like, I like your elaboration there where you talked about that the third and fourth goals really provide the context, the framework for why we need to be engaged and be better together, that concept of that. So Yeah, there you go. Resilience and stress management are of particular interest to me. How do you see your new corporate culture helping to reduce stress for the people at American Systems? I think it, it does. That's a great question, Colleen. It really is. And you gave me pause. Um, in the contracting world, you know, we work on contracts and contracts have lifespan. Lifespans might be one year, might be three years, might be five years. And stress does build up in a workforce as that particular workforce comes closer to the end of the lifespan of the contract that they're on. They're not sure what they're going to do next. They're not sure necessarily what contract would be open to them. Will they have to leave the company and go work for somebody else? By having more insight into what we're doing as a company and seeing how they can help keep contracts one, that we hold on to as we recompete for them, and two, bring new contracts into the business does help that stress factor. It's more continuous. It's more, it's, it's, it's broader. There's a broader context to what's going on. It doesn't have to be solved at a local place or within a program. There's much more going on across the company and a much bigger footprint to deal with. And that does help with stress. Also, the idea of, well, we make it a point. You know, I mentioned these key results. I mentioned them broadly. There are metrics associated with those key results. Like, for instance, we want to win $420 million worth of business against that that metric I talked about, winning Mm -hmm. business. We make it a point 
to speak across the company on a monthly basis how we're doing against those goals. So we give people insight. We tell them the whole story. We tell them the good. We tell them the not so good. And we speak about you know, how we think we're going to do as the year progresses, all of that stuff. So there's more information coming to people about how we're doing against the goals that we've set. So they feel more a part of the information flow. They feel better informed. And again, that's another way where stress is reduced. Mm -hmm. I know more about what's going on. Absolutely. Well, that's terrific. Well, I have one last question for you. I really appreciated your time today. And as you know, all of my guests are dog lovers. So I'm going to ask you if you could share a memory of a time with your dog when your dog would see a problem and see it, own it, or solve it in some way. So some dog-related memory. I am a dog lover, I must say. Um, that's an interesting question. I would probably put it in context of... Uh, watching my dog when a person that they're not familiar with come into a room, kind of size that person up, maybe even see it as a bit of a threat or an unknown and step between a child of mine and that person. In other words, see something that might not be, mm-hmm. might not be right. And then own it. I'm going to step in and I'm going to see about what's going on here. And then, of course, responding to to either an assurance from me that says, no, no, it's okay, and, and backing down, or not. And I, you know, that, that's what I would see as a dog of mine, seeing it and owning it, solving it and doing it. Absolutely. And they didn't even have to think about all of the beliefs and negativity bias and all of the things that we get into. They're just like, I'm taking action right here. <laughs> Well, yes, you're you. right. Thanks so much for talking to me today about American Systems. I appreciate it, and I think that we've all learned a lot about your company and about the real value of of working together for accountability, really making it not just a top-down process. So thank you. Thank you, Colleen. I, I enjoyed the exchange. So what do you think? Are you ready to be unleashed? Ready to open up and fully become the amazing person your dog knows you to be? Subscribe to Unleashed. And please visit ColleenPilar.com slash iTunes to leave a review. It helps new listeners find us. And my dog gets an extra treat for each new review. Say thank you, Edzo. (coughs) 